G'day guys, welcome back to the Valor Podcast. Today, we mix education with ridiculous banter. <laughs> We've got Andre and Christian, a um, couple of amazing members of ours. Andre is an osteopath, Christian is a myotherapist who is starting to become an osteopath as well. Uh, these guys have a ton of knowledge on all things injury, recovery, um, overcoming chronic pain and the lot. Uh, we cover all sorts of topics such as back pain, inflammation, bursitis, and a whole lot more. Uh, it's a really good chat. Lots of good laughs along the, along the way. Plenty of good dad jokes. Uh, yeah, these two, yeah, really know how to make a really enjoyable podcast out of you know, a topic that some people might think might be a bit bland. I think that was their worry coming into it, that it was going to be bland. So <laughs> we ramped it up. But no, amongst all the laughter, the actual education and information that these guys deliver is so valuable. Um, so enjoy this chat. It's a ripper. Here we go. Chris and Andre. We want to be our best, feel our best and live our best. But achieving our best isn't as cut and dry as do fitness, eat good, get results, happy. To find joy, good health, balance, and contentment, we need to show valor. This is valor. Valor is courage. Courage to face challenges, to endure, to struggle, to be exposed to all of your vulnerabilities, and to face it all without any certainty of the outcome. On the Valor Podcast, we share the methods, strategies, and ideas that can help us all achieve our very best. This is Valor. Can I just say, I was a bit flat coming in today. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this, but then I just heard your theme song, and I'm just ready to talk. What a song. Oh. I mean, I don't know who came up with that, but... Let's let's talk. This guy can just do everything. <laughs> Myotherapist, coffee, beer, connoisseur, and just musician. He plugged together. You plugged together this tune in like a few hours. Yeah. Like we had lockdown. There was plenty of time to do yeah, it. But literally yeah. nothing else. All you did all lockdown was just play drums all the time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I, like, I had to actually distract him from his drums so he could make this song for me. <laughs> But it is. It's really good. That's the that's the uh, risk benefit of lockdowns. I'm like, hmm, not working, no pay. You know, how does that affect your family? Drums, <laughs> <laughs> games, games. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? There was heaps of time for that shit, and you could also still be productive. Absolutely. Like my garden, immaculate. Mm. Jobs around the house, got done. Jobs. There was less jobs to do for the gym, but they got done. And got to like play games and drums and stuff. Mm. It was awesome. And now we're all sitting, waiting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the hear. unknown. Uh, yeah, it's like, caught, yeah, it was good, but like, caught not do Simpsons meme of like Lisa sitting there just like, just, <laughs> just panicking. It's, it's funny how common the term impending doom has become. <laughs> so many people go, I'm just waiting my impending doom. I'm like, I've never heard that until the last year or so. So now it's just a thing you say, impending doom. Impending doom. And it's like, and then you like really think about what it is and it's like your impending doom is you just have to stay home and you're like, oh, yeah. it's not that bad. <laughs> Apart from like yeah, the like potential that. business crashing and falling apart and you know having no money and stuff like that. Apart from that bit, okay. you know, no one's actually like physically like you know, there's no one's coming to murder us. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, swings really. and roundabouts. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes good. You know, I love how we kick this off with just rambling about shit. I didn't even get to like introduce you guys. Andre, Chris, how are we? Very good. 
Did you say who or how? How? Oh, how? I said who. <laughs> I'm great. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Um, I knew this was. Do you know what? I was like, when are we going to start talking shit? And it was before we even started. <laughs> but yeah, I got you guys on to talk about your uh, jobs and what you do and how you help people. So, uh, Andre, osteopath. Yes. Chris, myotherapist, mm-hmm. myotherapist. but also studying osteo like as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, Andre, are you currently like doctor status or we just call you doctor? Uh, technically, yes. You're doctor. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but like we were saying before we started, that imposter syndrome's there. You don't want to say it. Mm. Yeah, I, I hate saying it. Uh, every time like I get a piece of mail in the, uh, well, in the mailbox, obviously, um, it says Dr. Andre, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just giggled to myself. I hate referring to myself as that, and like, um, whenever anyone else says it as well, uh, it's always like, well, don't say that, like, it's, it's a dirty word. So next time you're on a plane and like someone's in trouble and they're like, is there a doctor on the plane? Doctor of philosophy. <laughs> do you, <laughs> like, do you have to put your hand up and be like, I'm a doctor? <laughs> no. <laughs> you just wait I reckon in that situation There's probably 20 doctors On the plane In those situations And they're just like Come on Hello. One of you guys Is going to jump up One of you Ah oh, sweet It'll be the doctor You don't want to jump up It'll be <laughs> yeah. the, the person Who became the osteopath It'll be Dr. Hi, everybody. I am definitely a doctor This man can't breathe Okay um, Any fear avoidance here You know uh, Are you scared Not to breathe yeah. I once had that On a flight From Istanbul, Turkey Back to London and the woman right in front of me, she was an older lady, she, like, blood pressure dropped and she had a little bit of a seizure and was unresponsive. Her daughter's next to her, panicking. It was full on. They did the whole, is there a doctor on the plane? And then, like, I think two nurses piped up and they <laughs> they kind of, like, argued with each other about what they should be doing. Like, one's <laughs> like, you should give her sugar. And one's like, no, you should not give her sugar. I'm a nurse. Well, I'm a nurse. And then... It was funny because we were in Turkey and we are just been around all these Turkish people and we're going to London. So most people on the plane were either Turkish or English. But we had to stop in Munich, Germany. And then these German like paramedics just wander onto the plane and start speaking in German and help this lady off. And she had to get off in Germany so they could... She was all right by the time we landed. It was such a ride. <laughs> Did you find out what was wrong with it? No, I, I think she just forgot her medication or something, and that right. was it. And I think Fair just enough. being up in the plane and things like that. Just she was napping, and then she just what, shook up, and went out, and but yes, wild thing to just have happen on a plane. Yeah, mm-hmm. when when you do like first aid or anything, I laugh going to these like classes and they or your refreshers. Have you have you had to do many? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you would have done oh, heaps. Yep. I heard your last one. He was amazing with like fake blood and all that oh, stuff. Right. Oh, that was the one a couple back. Yeah, that was yeah, fun. We had I wanted it on that one. It was when we had Emre, Emre, who's Turkish, um, just to keep that flow going. She had like props and all sorts of shit. And when he was sitting there by himself at the back, just working through some stuff, she had a fake spider. So he just popped on his shoulder. <laughs> and he, he squealed like a girl. I heard that awesome. he once <laughs> slept here one night because there was a spider in his apartment. Yep. Yeah, cool. Yep. Um, and I don't think they have spiders in Turkey, so... You see these people in like a first aid course so into it. Like, yeah. oh, 
you know, I'm ready if this happens. But then you do a few and you're like, you never, ever want to be in that position. Yeah, no. Why would you want to give some? Like, I don't sit here going, can't wait for that day I get to give someone CPR. Like, that's no. the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I, the thing I dislike most about those courses is when you go to one with a group of people from different places and they all want to tell their story of There's when they had to do one. first There's aid. There's always one. There's oh always my! One. So your, one. your course could take two hours, but because of this person, it took six. Yeah. And you're just like, God, get me out of here. So when we find people, like we source our own people here and we like, we want to get in, get out, get it done, make sure we tick the boxes, make sure we're aware and do all the right things. But we are not here to share stories. No, no talking. <laughs> we want to get this done. I actually did one in stage four. Was that last year, the 5K? Yeah, yeah. I, I had to do one because if you don't, you lose all your stuff. And even though I wasn't working, you just it's a, it's a nightmare to have to, get all you know like your private health and all that back and um we basically sat in a room weren't allowed to sit near each other touch anything we just watched a powerpoint and in this situation what you would do everyone look at the dummy yep pretend your hands are on the dummy now thrust and we're like <laughs> <laughs> so you get to assess your technique or anything nothing um but, and i mean again i'm sitting there going it is what it is you know it's knowledge and basically if you don't figure out that from a first aid course you just need to ring an ambulance you probably not listen properly <laughs> but there were people there for the first time and they're working in like healthcare or like um old age like respite and stuff and they're just looking terrified and they're the people that have to have to deal with people who can't breathe and stuff and i'm just like oh we're doomed this is, <laughs> this is, this is not a good idea <laughs> but anyway um yeah so i want to get you guys on to <clears throat> chat about all things like injuries and rehab and stuff like that. We didn't talk about Chris yet. Chris, the myotherapist. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're soon to be a doctor. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I actually want to do it. And I'm, I think I messaged Andre, Andre halfway through last year saying, I sh- should I do this? And he's like, yeah, you should totally do it. And I was like, okay. So I signed up. Yep. Yeah, I, I think he asked, you You kind of were like, I'm in our... I'm in an hour-ing about it, and you're like, oh, it is a long time. Like, it's five years for now. I said, well, in five years' time, like, how old are you now? 50-something. 50-something. Yeah. You're, you're going to be 55. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and that was... It's, it's still five years, no matter what. If you yeah. do a uni course or you don't do a uni course. And, I, like, I had the same mentality going into it as well. Like, I was a little bit younger than yourself <laughs> when I went to uni. Um, but not by far not the, the youngest person. There's some people going into, like, the course uh, straight out of high school. Uh, how old was I? I'm 32 now, so like 26. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh shit, like in five years' time, I'm going to be so old. I'm going to be 31, 32 by the time I graduate. Oh my God. But then I was like, well, in five years' time, I'm still going to be 31, 32. Like, and you'll just turn around mm. and go on and would have said, oh, I would have done that by now. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of look back mm. with regret. But yeah, so that's good. But I've been for years. And the last time I did one of these podcasts, I, I, I remember it, it, it stuck in my head. I remember because you said to me something about, because I studied medicine for a bit and then I sort of stopped. And it was the first time I'd realized when we were talking, you go, how do you feel about that? And I was like, yeah, really good. Like, and I never really <laughs> said it. I always felt like I failed because I decided that wasn't what I should be doing. But for years I've been looking for where is this part that's missing, massive part that's missing. And I reckon within the first month of doing osteo, then the second month, and even now, I'm just like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever done. So, yeah. But he pushed me into doing it slightly, which was nice. Yeah. It's good. I like that. I like your thought about, like, just not really worrying about what age you're doing it and things like that. Nah. Like, oh, like, I would love to probably go back and study something like psychology. But, you know, cool, that's a lot of years. But then, like you said, 
Well, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, the same amount of years. In four years, you'll have a psychology degree or you won't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've almost paid off my hex, so I may as well, like, throw some money back Get into the university. <laughs> the thing is, like, if you think about something like psychology, do you want that person fresh out of high school, no life experience, to be helping you? Not Do you know what? I mean, <laughs> yes and no, but how much more would you get out of studying psychology? I get it now studying because I've been in the industry and I'm watching it from that different angle. Like I totally get where this fits in and this is, this is very important. And if you were to go off and study psychology now, you'd be looking at it at a completely different... Oh, yeah, oh this absolutely. Matters, people that do study psychology and help people through life should have at least lived a little first. Yeah, So definitely. there should be some rule. It's pretty hard you to You can't study until you're 35. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do it, but the job you get after, if you're still in your 20s, cannot be about giving advice. <laughs> it can be like doing you know, research and things like that. You need to be doing other stuff related to that degree. Mess like, up a bit first before you can give someone advice. Yeah, I wouldn't want to finish at the age of 25 or 26 and then start sitting in a chair telling people what to do. No. <laughs> it's sort of like, like I don't even know what I'm doing. The, That's uh, the theory of like the wounded healer. The, yeah. the best healers are, are usually the most wounded yeah. themselves. Been through some stuff. <laughs> Been through some shit. That's yeah. pretty deep. Yeah, that is deep. <laughs> hey, we're here for that stuff. Um, okay, before we get into all that, Tell me firstly how you got into uh, CrossFit and things like that. Like you guys, it's pretty well known that most physios and osteos love to say that they love CrossFitters because it keeps them in a job. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys are specialists that actually love functional fitness and all the good stuff. So what's up with that? Um, yeah, so I started training like in a gym properly when I was probably 17 or 18. Um, just like down at KCR back in the day. Um, and then from there, at the time, I was actually in a completely different industry. So I was um, a trainee at a small film production company doing audio engineering. Um, cool. They made educational videos. Um, and at that time, I kind of thought that film and um, television was kind of where I wanted to go um, to the point where like before finishing year 12, I had already gotten a, a job position at this particular company. So I just kind of didn't give a shit about any of my exams at the end of year 12. Um, so then kind of did that for a little bit and, and very soon afterwards discovered that it wasn't for me. Um, the freelance life was pretty uh, questionable for me at the time. I wanted something more stable. So I decided to start my own business as a PT and that was a great decision. <laughs> it's like equally as unstable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, at the time, yeah, I was just going to the gym by myself and I thought, oh yeah, this is really something that I can get into. Um, I wanted to do it just as a bit of more so for myself. So I went and did uh, the, the personal training course. Is that like the TV ads really convinced you about how stable and well it's going to go? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn um, those ads. So I did that and then um, it was kind of, it's sort of like serendipitous in, in that all the people that I kind of met along the way led me to progress into osteopathy. Um, if there's any sort of one person who wasn't in that whole chain going from an 18-year-old to now, it, things might have panned out a little bit differently. Um, uh, when I was a PT, very early on in my PT life, I, I got into something uh, known as the Czech Institute, so the Corrective Holistic Exercise Kinesiology Institute, so they're based in America. So using your skills as a PT, which are fairly limited, but being able to to help people through mechanical issues or pains and stuff like that 
in a in mostly hands-off fashion. And then, yeah, they kind of snowballed a little bit. Originally, I was actually enrolled in Chinese medicine um, at RMIT, and I did a couple of years of that, and I was like, it's really not for me, even though I'm part Chinese. <laughs> we don't have to be Chinese <laughs> to like it. So did it, was it just called medicine? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of Chinese people that are like well, Chinese medicine shit's garbage. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I was kind of like, I, I I went to it like, yeah, fully invested in it and, and just, yeah, it just wasn't for me. So then I was kind of like, I'm eating and about a few different things at the time and, and uh, osteopathy was, was another course that was taught at RMIT and for some reason that was the one that kind of just stuck out and there we go. And um, next minute we're next minute we're here. We're here, yeah. Here at this gym, but yeah, how come you're doing like ah, yes, CrossFit, CrossFit, and osteopathy? Like um, that's, yeah. So during that whole time, what I what I did was I was thinking like, oh, what am I going to do for money? Like I can go back to uni and all that. So what am I going to do for money? And I decided to utilize my skills um, that I had uh, acquired as a PT and start my own outdoor boot camps. So I started that, and that kind of snowballed and grew into indoor boot camps um, and. Uh, so opening the gym up in Hallam and at the time I was kind of like yeah it's all well and good for me to be kind of coaching people but I want to be coaching myself Um, and the last thing I wanted to do was to train myself somewhere where I had been working all day Um, so then yeah I kind of looked around in the area and and I found found CrossFit at the time CrossFit Cranbourne and a lot of it was based on fitting in with my schedule um, but since starting, it's uh, yeah, it's been amazing. Would not want to go anywhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's cute. And granted, I haven't been <laughs> anywhere else, so you know, I've got nothing to compare it to. <laughs> uh, I think um, <laughs> it's probably terrible. So I haven't tried anywhere else. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, just there's none of that sort of bravado. Um, mentality where you walk into somewhere and you feel uh, intimidated even though there are some big dogs that lift heavy and and go pretty hard Um, everyone's very very kind to each other and that's you (laughs) no it's not just reminded me of of (laughs) that I remember I wanted to so if you want to get back into like film and TV and stuff I've had this idea of a satire like a television show I think I told you about this once and I wanted to call the show It's All You Bro (laughs) (laughs) and it was just going to be like set in a gym and just with like typical like gym characters like the buff one and the the hot one and the awkward gym guy and and all that and it would it would kind of be like a Parks and Rec or like a Portlandia style kind of thing I love this already (laughs) (laughs) so if anyone in television wants to do it yeah it's going to be called It's All You Bro and uh, that's what it's going to be about gym life it's going to be genius I just need to if we get another lockdown we just get a few cameras together yeah, we come in with a time show. <laughs> with a time um, and Chris I know you got into the gym pretty much because co- some of our coaches started going to you and then we just started sending members to you and then mm. you kind of just got forced into having to join us because you need to figure out what it was all about is that uh, the right? pretty much <laughs> like I remember like you know in a very smaller because I've talked about this before but um, uh, I remember watching it from this room uh, you asked me to come down you had a members night so I just bring a table down and I think you wanted me to talk, and I didn't want to talk. I was <laughs> like, "How about in that in those classes at night? If anybody has a problem, I'll just have a look at them and give them a bit of a fix them up and see what happens." And that was sort of cool. Yeah, sorry, I <laughs> mitigated. And um, <laughs> um, 
But I was less interested in actually what was going on in here. And I was looking through the window, watching these very... Um, and I mean this in a very... Um, not a condescending way. Ordinary people doing crazy things like muscle-ups and stuff. I'm like, I want to do that. I, just, I, did, I didn't realise what it was. So I was intrigued. And I remember just getting sick of the gym and... I think I even messaged you. I got home one day and I just sent you a message saying um, from a holiday going, right, I'm ready to join. And you're like, oh, it's not that easy. I'm like, no, 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 just, I'm coming in. Just coming in. No, no, you've got to do this class. With, oh, okay, whatever. Um, but funnily enough, like the whole, when you say physios, myos, all that, you know, they don't like CrossFit. I reckon a very small part of who, and, and there's there's definitely trends, like at the moment because we this all-star thing's coming up, so people just want a bit of a fixer-up. Um, very, very small part of my client base are from here. There's definitely the one or two that pop in, but when they do, that's not because they've hurt, like they haven't done anything pretty serious, do you know what I mean? Um, it's pretty controlled here. I don't think you let anyone hurt themselves. Um, no, I hurt myself way more playing football on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sore all the time. And when I mean, I never saw Like, you can be sore after this, but there's no serious. No. It's a very controlled environment. Yeah. There are other types of gyms where uh, it's more people that don't have people watching them. People that don't realize that they're doing too much or they've done something silly. They saw it on YouTube or Instagram and they're going to go do it in the gym and they destroy themselves. Or... You know, there is another type, like, like the F45 stuff. There are a lot of injuries from that, but that's just because it's people not, they're just going too hard, too fast, and they're not ready for that. But nothing really from here. I reckon people come in more for just a chat, really, because <laughs> I haven't seen them. We don't train, we just hang out, just yeah. get social. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, what is cool about this is, and what we do and what other CrossFit gyms tend to do is, yeah, we coach movement and we're interested in movement and you know, do cool lifts like snatches and stuff like that, but maybe a little in the old days, people used to grip and rip a bit, but now it's a bit more about wanting to know the function of the movement and how it works and stuff like that. And and having guys like you to chat with and, and learn off as well um, makes our job better and makes our knowledge and probably helps you guys too when you get people in. So you guys get to come in here and see the functionality of movement every day and do the functional, do those movements, do your squats and deadlifts and that every day. Um, and then we can talk to you guys about, you know, they've got this pain here. Um, you know, what's going on there? What can we do about that? How do we, can, do we tweak things? What are other exercises to modify in that? And then we're going to go back and have a look at the way they're doing a deadlift maybe and go, oh, okay, okay. So they're pulling through there. I didn't realize that that's like that. And that's the kind of information as a PT that you never learn in your course. Mm. And even though like the CrossFit Level 1, 2 courses are brilliant, it doesn't go to those sorts of depths and things like that. The only way you're going to pick up that information is by um, linking up with some physios and osteos and myers and getting a little bit more of their knowledge um, to make what you guys, what we do better. We don't learn it as much as, well, I think, I'm not there yet, but in, in Maya you definitely don't. You learn such basic, you know, you don't sit there and go, right, today we're going to learn how to fix someone's back because they deadlifted incorrectly. They just, that just doesn't exist. It's like, there's that muscle, here's its action. Um, and in a very normal, healthy, fit person, this is how it should work. And that's it. So where me being here makes me better at my job for that reason, going, oh, that's how it works. Okay. And you put two and two together. You don't learn that stuff. Yeah, no. So if, you, if you're someone in your field that's not going to the gym and not doing those movements, there's a lot of 
experience and information that you're missing out on. Mm. You see a lot of people that do real heavy Instagram uh, or Facebook advertising, um, especially a lot of phys- and decent physios who will say, do not trust your practitioner if they're not in the gym. Like if you're going there because you have a gym injury, unless they lift, why would you go see them? They just don't know what they're talking about. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to ask about some important things um, of you guys. So we actually get into some proper the nitty gritty shit. Um, just because there's plenty of things that people don't maybe have a good enough understanding of. PTs don't have a good enough understanding of. GPs don't have a good enough understanding of. We need to speak to you guys like you about it. Things like, and we got it, we cop it all the time and you guys cop it all the time. Things like back pain and information and stuff. And that there's a lot of misunderstanding of how to deal with it. Um, different Doctors will give different prescriptions of what to do with it or just give you painkillers and tell you to go rest for a year. There's all different, you know, information is very confusing. It's um, it's tough and member to member will come in, lots of them will come in with pre-existing back pain from their jobs and things like that and they'll all have different views on how to deal with it. And we have our way to deal with it from our past experience and what we know and from what we've learned from guys like you, but it's probably still not necessarily the perfect answer. So what I wanted to do was ask you guys about stuff like that. <clears throat> I think probably the best one to start with, probably because it's the most common, probably is back pain. So like just you guys kick it off and chat me back and forth like, mm. about what it is and what's going on there and just things like bulging discs and all that sort of shit. So start where you want to start. Teach us about back pain and <laughs> let's just reduce the bullshit and help us so back pain is when your back hurts <laughs> <laughs> it is it is it is so um where do you even start where do you start um back pain in most cases i'd probably say over 80 percent of cases unless there's some sort of underlying condition um like let's say for example a fracture or osteoporosis or maybe like a, a tumor or something like that unless there's something serious underlying most back pain sorts itself out um, if given uh, enough time if um, the load put on the back is appropriate if the movement put through the back is appropriate as well um, it'll sort itself out in most cases um, yeah that's, the <laughs> that's the yeah. so, no, so that's exactly the answer that we need, though. So let's get so into it. So the word that I say, and and it's a word, because you're not allowed to say you fix people, mm. no matter how think you, how good you think you are. We don't fi- you mitigate, yeah. right? <laughs> so where where Andre says <clears throat> it will sort itself out, it may sort itself out over an extended period of time if you understand why you have back pain, and then you could see someone like us to mitigate within yeah. the uh, I'm trying to think like the duration this, just, let's just say your your back pain is going to last you six months if you try and correct it but we may be able to speed that up by half yep. who knows identify why you have back pain so a lot of people that come in here would probably have mechanical back pain so it's something overcompensating because something doesn't want to do its job and it's not necessarily because they're not lifting properly or anything but it's Generally, everything out of the gym. So it's often a thing of like sitting in the car too long or at the desk. It's me sitting like this. Like <laughs> this is not an ideal way to sit. Oh, you're you getting know? a hip stretch. He's got the old one leg up on the knee kind of hip stretch going on. It's okay. So if someone came in and said, you know, I noticed that uh, 
for eight hours a day, I sit with my leg like this. I'm like, well, don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe for four hours, do it and then swap. Right. Yeah. It's not that, that complicated. However, the hard thing is when people identify or find out that their back hurts, they get back pain because they come to the gym. It's usually everything but the gym, but you come in and you have a, we're not very symmetrical, but we're picking up something that is evenly weighted and, uh, you know, mechanical engineered symmetrically and we pick it up and all of a sudden your body goes, oh, I don't like that because we're not. And there's different loads happening and one muscle may want to work, one doesn't. Our brain doesn't like to do things how we should. Our brain's a bit of a wimp. It'll go, well, hold on, you're making me pick this thing up. Um, but I've got strong quads, so I'm going to use my quads. And that's going to hurt your back. It's why years ago when it became very popular for every girl to have the biggest butt in the world, which is cool, and, and guys, if you want to, all you saw were just people squatting. Some of them got some big butts, but a lot of them, their quads just went boom. Because then two years later or three years later, everyone figured out, oh, we didn't activate our glutes, so let's just activate glutes now. And then we end up with another problem. And then we end up with another problem. And everyone's always just chasing this, why is this back pain happen? Oh, because this one thing didn't happen. But it's everything but that. It's the accumulation of maybe you didn't eat enough. Maybe you sat too long like this. Maybe your car seat's not right. Maybe you have a bulge disc. Bulge discs sometimes don't even matter. Um, people live their whole life with a bulge disc and never have pain. Tell someone they've got a bulge disc and they'll have a sore back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a thing, isn't it? Bulge it's a massive disc. Thing. Like it's a thing, but it shouldn't be a thing. Hey. Mm. It's, it's the same with a lot of different things. So the, thing, the interesting thing about pain is that a lot of the time people kind of say, oh, they kind of just poo-poo pain and just say, oh, it's all in your head, it's all in your head. And yeah, it, it is in your head mm. because all your body does is it, it, it's gathering information. So via the nervous system, information is coming from all different parts of the body. So information, a particular type of information is coming from, let's say, the lower back. And then that's going up to the brain and the brain's kind of, making sense of that information. What do I do with this? What is this in the past? Do I have any past experiences with this sort of signal? Um, like things like, have I got enough sleep? How am I feeling? What's my general general mood like? That'll all influence how the brain interprets that information. So something like a bulge disc for person A will be not an issue. They won't even feel it. And then something that's on a like let's say on a scan is less severe will be the worst pain ever for person B depending on what their mental state is how much of the slept and all that sort of stuff as well so it's all about how the brain interprets that information sort of going on along the, along the lines with what Chris is saying yeah it, it's 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 very individual yeah um, that whole the back pain thing and it can be like let's say for example back squatting that's a pretty common one when someone's got like a butt wink. And so butt wink, butt wink is when you squat, you come down into squat and rather than keeping that, or for lack of a better word, like anterior pelvic tilt where you've got that curve through the lower back, the hips tuck under and it just kind of opens up through the lower back. It might not hurt to start off with and you can get away with maybe even a couple of years of doing that, but given enough time, you're constantly opening up the back of the the spine that way and things may start to you know move around become a little bit grumbly and irritated and and all that sort of stuff and in some cases it's not an issue but in some cases it is yeah it's kind of like back pain bulging discs 
it doesn't matter until it does, if that makes sense. And it's really trendy at the moment for people to go, bulging discs don't matter. Of course they matter. They matter if they become a problem. But, um, you know, a bulging disc could have absolutely no effect on your back whatsoever, or it can, you know. Uh, it, it's called uh, the foramen in your spine, nerves come out, that may give you back pain. It's individual. If you come to the gym and you've got a bulging disc, it's probably not going to matter because everything around it's going to be so stable. So what? Probably had it for 10 years and then it'll probably disappear. A slip disc, like my doctor told me that my, my I slipped my disc. Um, Doesn't slip anyway. Do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> Where'd it go? What, <laughs> what, what, what do spines feel like? Like bricks. Like they, they don't go anywhere. Yeah, so yeah, just, just can we just quickly go on that one? Slip disc. Yeah. Can a, can a disc slip? Ah. Uh, there's so much kind of holding them in place. So with a disc, so you can have like a, uh, a bulge, which, so if you look at a disc, a disc, uh, like some people describe it as like a, a jam donut where there's like a hard outside and a soft inside. I like to think of it more like a hockey puck mm. and a hockey puck with, so around the, getting a bit technical now, but around the outside, it's called the annulus fibrosis. So it's like this annular fibers, makes sense. Um, very creative naming. But annular fibers, so circular fibers that kind of go around the outside of the disc and in the inside, there's like this sort of nucleus propulsus, so like the uh, jelly-like substance on the inside. So let's say, for example, like if you do have a butt wink and you're always sort of jamming one end of the hockey puck, eventually that inside is going to just kind of move backwards. Push the other side. Yeah, it's going to be pushed outwards slightly. Sometimes it can be just a little bit where that it moves backwards. Sometimes it can like break through those annular fibers and then get pushed uh, right to the edge. Or sometimes, which is probably the most severe one, where it breaks through and, and that inside the, the jelly stuff starts leaking out. That's, that's in that situation, that's like, oh yeah, shit. And that's, that's pain. It. <laughs> go, go. It's like... It's like that's like the best that's the best version of like what a slipped disc would Mm. be but yeah Yeah. it doesn't actually I think visually people think that little bit the hockey puck comes out no just slipped disc that's how I would visualise it and that's something how most people I've got a slipped disc think of um, stepping on a water balloon and it'll bulge yeah Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly push out to one end yeah so and what fascinates me about all that stuff is how you know like you said if the, if the fluid... What, what is it? That's not synovial. That's um, the other fluid. Spinocerebral. It's like acid. <laughs> and it burns. But doesn't... Isn't that like cool? Like to go, something happened and it's burning because it's telling you that there's something wrong. That's the problem with when you tell people, oh, back pain doesn't matter, but it sort of does. But it doesn't. Yeah. You've got pain. Just get through it. The reason you have pain is exactly what Andre said. is because your brain's going... Something's wrong. You got to do something about it. Something's wrong. So what we definitely need to make sure we don't do with back pain is do what GPs often tell us and take some Panadol, go lie down, stop doing the gym stuff. Movement's the best thing for it. We need to kind of do the opposite. We need to go find some smart people that can tell us some stuff or find some trainers that can help us to lift correctly. But the Panadol and Nurofen's okay. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like, you know, your back pain didn't exist because you didn't have enough Panadol in your body. It's a, let's just get through this and let's start the process. Yeah. But that is the problem. It's yeah. The way you're moving is poor mm. or there's an issue with some tightness or whatever. Yeah. Let's look at that. Let's look at that root cause. I was reading about this and I wanted to ask this because this got this book, Rebuilding Milo by Dr. Aaron Horshig who 
Squat University, if anyone wants to look it up, his shit's unreal. It's so good. Uh, but there's a section on back pain and the, he starts off that chapter by saying like, you've got back pain. You go to the GP, the GP um, goes, oh, you might have a bulging disc, does, does a scan, gets a scan, goes, oh, there's a bulging disc. And then next minute you get in surgery. Yeah. And he's like, well, what they don't take into account is that could be an old, it could be scarring. You don't know how old it is. You don't know what it's from. You could have had it for 15 years and all of a sudden this GP wants you to it's go to a surgeon. Binding. It's a photo. Yeah. Right. And... The issue is, like, yes, it's great. Information's fantastic, but we don't have a photo previous to the pain. So how can you really compare it? Do you know what I mean? It's not as if you go get an x-ray every month just to go, mm. just in case, you know? <laughs> and that's that's the hard part. But of course, I mean, you're, you're going to find things that, that are going to tell you that you have back pain. But I had a guy in this morning and I saw him, I don't know, a month ago and he just came back. I didn't even know what was he today. But... um. He told me the first time he came in, my doctor told me I've dislocated my spine. And I'm like, Ooh. I've never even heard of that happening. How do you dislocate? And, and he's walking in. I'm like, I'm just picturing if your spine... Dis- like, You'd be walking in like... The problem is wrong, ter- wrong terminology, you know? Yeah. And then people get scared. And the biggest one is also, oh, look, Nurofen Panadol because you've got non-specific back pain. And then people are like, I've been diagnosed with non-specific back pain. I'm done. <laughs> It literally says in the name, there's nothing wrong with your back. It's just sore. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, but that's, <laughs> I think <laughs> we get, you get that a lot. And most gym owners and PTs and like, you'll have that person who'll come here and they go, I've got back and I have to stop. Yeah. And you're like, well, fuck no. We don't want you to stop. Like, it's probably really important that we don't stop. No. Let's have a look at it. Let's see what's going on. Let's see if we can, can work on this. And then once we get, once we heal that and we kind of figure out the errors in your mechanics or whatever... Let's make it stronger so you never have to get back back pain ever again. Absolutely. The last thing we want people here to do is to just... Can I suspend for a month and I'll just sit down at home? You're like, there, there is, kind of going back to the, the, the dislocating your back sort of thing, there <laughs> is a condition though where like there's a section of the... the I can never say these right, but there's a section of the spine... Spinal bone. <laughs> that uh, can become fractured. So we call that a pars defect. And then in some situations, usually that's associated with some sort of trauma, um, car accidents, getting kneed in the back at like a footy game or something like that, um, where then that entire section can kind of move forward a little. And I can never say these right, but there's a spondylolysis and then there's spondylolysis where there's one, step one is that fracture through that back portion there, which is kind of stabilizing it. And then that, that whole segment can shift forward but not the disc by itself. And, and, and there, whenever we kind of listen to someone's story, when they do come in and say, I have back pain, a lot of it is kind of listening to what they're telling us, how they describe their pain, what's sort of making it worse, what's making it feel better, and then kind of marrying that up with what we feel in their body and also when we start to move them around and trying to marry all that information up, looking at a scan by itself, doesn't really give us a lot of information like what, what what Chris was saying. We have to kind of, a big portion of it is to listen to what the person is telling us and their story and then looking at it from like the testing that we do, the movements, the restrictions that we find and then using our clinical judgment to kind of go, okay, so this is what's happening there. Um, movement's going to be best for you in this situation. Um, a lot of the research now kind of... S- points us in the direction that people who do, uh, let's say, for example, back pain again, 
just take painkillers and just lay in bed for like a week, they have worse outcomes than people who just try and get back to their life as quick as possible. So yes, in that short initial phase of there might be some information there, there might not, doesn't matter. If you do take a little bit of rest, that's fine, but you try and get back to your normal daily activities as quickly as possible. People have just better outcomes in general. And that not only for the back, that's for, for, everything. for everything. One common one is ankle sprains as well. Mm. Try and get back to the things that you have been doing. You'd be surprised how much you would learn more from someone just walking in your door. You even more so because you've got stairs. I'm sure you watch someone <laughs> yeah. go up the stairs the and time. just go, oh, yep, oh, yep, oh, yep. And they'll start talking and you go, yeah, I know. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's half the thing. It's like you're basically a detective. Mm. We do that like even at the gym too. Like I can often pick someone's job. Yeah. Um, depending on how they move. Yeah. Or like if they've had a particular hobby. Like a lot of people like a, like a dirt bike rider. They often have these really large erector spinae muscles like down the bottom edge because they're hunched over riding a motorbike and they deadlift. Wearing a helmet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they deadlift. Like it's very hard for them to not deadlift and dominate with that back muscle. And you're like, oh, you ride motorbikes. And like, yep, ride motorbikes. Or if you, you know, a concreter and people like that, you just know. It's very easy to pick off someone who sits at a desk or in a car or whatever. It's yeah. just seeing people. The body gets comfortable doing certain things in the way that you do things most often. Mm. Um, and like a, a common saying is compensations are effective until they're not. Uh, eventually, not always, but when someone does become painful because of a compensation, whether it's uh, uh, like neurological compensation. So that's just the, the way that they've sort of always tended to move because of habit or whether it's a, a muscular issue because of some sort of muscular imbalance or structural, some sort of issue there. Um, usually, if given enough time or given too much load over a short amount of time, things become a little bit grumbly and painful. Yeah. Um, I don't tend to usually say any, like if you ask any of my patients, I'm usually not saying painful. I'm usually just saying, oh, grumbly. Grumpy, 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 grumpy. grumpy. Um, before we move on, I want to ask about inflammation. Before, I'm not going to get right into it because I, I don't want to put Good. too much of my opinion on it. But <laughs> do it do, if someone with, with back pain, do they need to go to the Cairo every single week for the rest of their lives? If they enjoy it, <laughs> it depends. If they like how they feel when they leave, so many people will go. Should I be doing this? And it's like, well, does it help you? Uh, I'm sick of going. Or some people love it. Some people need it. It's. I mean, it's not only... Like, it applies to like everything. If you feel that it's benefiting and you're comfortable with that deci- decision, because it's entirely your decision whether you go or not. If you're comfortable with that and you... Then, yeah, sure, why not? But if you have some questions... I mean, it's like when you go to a doctor you, and sometimes you get a diagnosis and then you want a second opinion. If you are beginning to question it, then why not get a second opinion? There's no, harm in, there's no harm in. Problem is, all right, we're not... I'm trying to think of the type of person that that you really don't have a choice. An oncologist is a good one. On, I don't know if you've ever met an oncologist, but they will They they will just... There's no choice in things. It's I don't like, even know what that is. Uh, uh, cancer. Cancer. Oh, okay. You know, it's basically, this is a person sitting here. They don't, they, they won't even look at you. They're just like, this is how I have to do my job to give you your outcome. There's, there's not really much choice in that. You know what I mean? 
we don't do that. You're a bit more invested. We're, li- we're a little bit more benefit to yeah. everyday life. You know You're what I mean? Investigators. Like we're not we're not life and death, right? Yeah. So the problem is though, a lot of people. What my point is, there's very little things that you have to go do that that are involuntary. You know, when you go and see somebody because you have an issue, everything that happens is all up to you, and you have to know everything. Like you know, they've they've got to. I went and saw Andre for my back. And even though it was very informal, he still grilled me about everything and what he was going to do and if I was happy to do it. Because that's just what you do. And if you're going somewhere week to week and you're not happy with doing that, that person's not giving you the chance to to um, make your own decision. You know what I mean? Like, is this helping me? They're pretty much saying you can't live without me. And that's not how it works. Mm. It's This is the best I can do for you. Unethical. Pretty much. Yeah. These are the, it's, it's, you know, it's the magic informed consent. Yeah. Right. But it is important. It's like, hey, you know, um, this is what I think's going on. This is what I can do. If you don't like that uh, or you're unhappy that we can, we can definitely try something else or, um, you know, sometimes a, a good outcome of even having an appointment is not even touching them, you know, and, and moving them on somewhere else, but you've still done your job, you know, always be, um, I always say you always got to be the good person in someone's story. You know, be a part of the good story, not the bad story, you know? And if you're going week to week for something that doesn't seem to be getting better, one, it's probably not working, but two, have you been made aware that it's not working? Um, People can get stuck in, okay, you've done this to your back, we've looked at your x-ray or whatever, Um, you're going to need 10 appointments and I need you to pay up front. (laughs) What the? (laughs) You know what I mean? And... That's that makes things pretty serious in its own right. Like, oh my god, oh this shit. must be serious. I need, I, need, I need ten appointments. Holy shit! No one needs ten appointments. <laughs> you know, <sighs> um, the 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 person offering the appointments does. You know, I've got kids to put through school. Come see me ten times. But that's the pro- problem. So, it's not it's not chiropractor. I know some great chiropractors. It's no different to eating at a restaurant. Like if you go to a restaurant and you love the meal. And it made you happy. Of course, you're going to go back. But if you went somewhere and went, I don't think I'm satisfied. The food, eh, I'm, not, I'm a bit up in the air. And the guy, and the waiter comes over and goes, I totally get it. But what I want you to do is come back for another 10 weeks. <laughs> and I want you to pay up front. And by the end of it, you'll be happy. How's it any different? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's True. ridiculous. But anyway. True. Anyway, um, inflammation, a um, <laughs> bit of understanding. <laughs> like, what is it? We'll get there. I don't know a little bit about like, I think you did, Andre did a post about bursitis mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, what's inflammation and... Inflammation is completely normal. Yeah. Um, it is a normal process. So, basically, inflammation, if you kind of want to look at inflammation as what it is, uh, we look for, f- there's usually four cardinal signs. Um, so, there's heat, there's pain, there's swelling... And there's redness. Say it in Latin. Uh, dolor, calor, uh, what's the other one? Pal- Tumor. And pallor? And no, that's no. pale. Oh. Um, I didn't say I knew it. I like just asked. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we kind of, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Swelling, <laughs> pain, redness, rubor. Rubor, yeah. that's it. And, uh, and what was the other one? <laughs> Okay. There's four of them. There's four. So they're the four sort of. <laughs> you don't need to know what, we need to know what they are. You don't need to know what they yeah. are. They're the four <laughs> kind of signs of inflammation. But yeah, like like I said, inflammation completely normal. Um, when you injured something, like let's say you get a muscle sprain, muscle strain, uh, a ligament strain, it's going to 
become a little bit grumbly. Yeah. So that grumpiness is basically a the swelling kind of happens. Let's say for example your ankle. You 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 roll your ankle playing footy or something like that. The ankle swells up. That's a pr- a natural thing that happens. And in a way, it's sort of like to protect the ankle because a swollen ankle is pretty hard to move around. Um, the the redness happens because obviously damaged tissue, blood needs to get there to start the healing process. And the healing process starts almost immediately. So obviously it's going to get red. As the healing process starts, there's more metabolic activity. So it gets hot uh, and you've injured yourself. So your body's kind of sending you that signal uh, up to the brain and your brain's going, oh yeah, you've injured something there. That's painful. So avoid moving that sort of area. And um, the interesting thing about pain is like it's it's not always associated with actual damaged tissue. It's sometimes the potential for damaged tissue as well, which is like where the whole non-specific back pain sort of thing comes in. Um, sometimes it ha- isn't that you have injured your back, but the particular thing that happened, let's say in a deadlift, the particular particular sort of movement or whatever happened in your back your brain kind of remembers that from a past experience of an injury where it was painful and your brain goes, oh yeah, I remember that. That was pain. It goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, well, whoa, calm down. Settle. That. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it's not only tissue damage but also the potential for tissue damage as well. If you take the emotion out of pain or your, I'm trying to think of the word, the conscious part, you thinking about pain, pain's great. It's telling you it's protection. Something's wrong. You know, we just sucks. You know, yeah. but no, it's it's the whole th- the. I, I was hoping you'd go real neuroscience into that, <laughs> but you, you said it really well. I like that. But um, yeah, inflammation is yeah completely normal. Uh, it's what you it's 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 if things stay for a little bit longer than what you'd like them to be around for that things become a bit of an issue, and if it starts to inhibit your daily activities. So a lot of what we do isn't about like like Chris said we don't actually. <laughs> we always joke to each other about it. We don't actually do anything. Um, <laughs> no. All we, the main <laughs> Those goal, magic healers, like your hands, you're not actually touching them. They don't actually like, do anything. I'm healing you right now. Pretty and, sure. and it's one of the guiding principles of osteopathy, which is that the body has the ability to heal itself. Yeah. Um, so it's all stru- we, Structure governs function. So all we're trying to do is just kind of nudge it in that sort of direction. You're removing um, roadblocks, basically. What can we do to like help that process along as well? Not, if, I'm thinking about what you're saying about, you know, there's the process and if you're constantly, uh, so you're saying if someone comes here and, and something's inflamed all the time, mm. shoulder's a good example, you know, and so shoulders, the other, the other thing like that. That, that is more relevant in here, the, the, there's the four cardinal signs, but then there's the secret fifth one, which is uh, loss of um, movement. So restriction, yeah. right? And they're the ones that people, like you're going to get up on a pull-up bar or something, you know? Uh, or doing a snatch because it's not a natural, we don't walk around like this all day. So you're going to notice it when you do that. Um, if that's constantly happening, but people think inflammation, I'll just take Nurofen and that's going to go away. It'll settle and go to the gym. They're not recognizing the fact that why do I keep doing this? Like your body's just getting sick of going, oh my God, you've got to keep fixing this problem that you keep nudging. So that's what inflammation is in here. It is a sign to go, I probably need to get that fixed before I do that again. I'm doing something wrong. And is that often, say like shoulder pull-ups or snatches, is that often like maybe like a weakness in the shoulders at the back or? Um, 
it's not awesome weakness i th- i or would you agree muscles. right it's not weakness it's inhibition yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah so it's yeah very often it's um so how do, how do we put this in the right way sometimes it's uh, maybe maybe like a structural deficiency so maybe the joints getting a little bit locked up in a certain position uh, or when yeah sometimes people say like oh your rotator cuff is weak it's like mm, is it actually weak or is it having trouble switching on at the right time mm. um, and is it yeah is it it's when you go into a dem- yeah. a, a, an overhead position and it's like milliseconds still of, of difference is it kind of switching on so that it can stabilize the joint if not what else is kind of happening through there is it getting is that is that um shoulder getting pulled too far forward too far backwards and like muscle timing is like yeah like i said milliseconds of difference um a common one is is traps and it's one that i've been playing around with quite often someone will come in and go like yeah i go overhead and my traps are just painful and it's like okay cool let's do some trap activation you'd think oh yeah traps are tight and and painful why would you switch them on more but you do some trap activation get it switching on a bit quicker and overhead position feels better Mm. it's because it's no longer late to the party um and in a way back to what you're saying like how there's those little inefficiencies but it's the same bar and they don't make up for the fact that today my body's not exactly in the optimal position for where that bar should be what maybe it was the other day the bar doesn't change but my body does so you're going to feel that um the are you into like the the you know like the moment arm stuff if you think about bio- biomechanics not really no I like it. That's yeah. about as far as my knowledge goes into that. Yeah, yeah. The I like that part of it. Moment yeah. The biomechanics. Yeah, yeah. So if you think about a rotator cuff and, you know, the stupidest, nerdiest joke is, oh, it's called a shoulder complex because it's very complex, right? <laughs> <And> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to listen to this. Anyway. So <laughs> everyone's going to listen to that and be like, you fucking, you guys. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 just Loves a dad joke. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Um, this is why it's good that I don't see many people here. I'm not going to lose that many appointments. Um, so, you know, you, you shoulder in, in like the quick 20 seconds. It is about 20 to 1. How long have you got, mate? i got until 2.30. Oh, awesome. Dentist time. Um, your rotator cuff stabilizes your arm, mm. right? And in different positions, different things get it to all these places, blah, 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 blah. So the thing is with biomechanics and moment arm, is a muscle functions in... <laughs> you're looking at me. I'm, 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 I'm dialed so, in. So, like, um, and there's... If you think of a bicep curl, right? Um, you're, you're strongest in mid-range. Any muscle is strongest in mid-range. So, if you take that theory into um, your rotator cuff and my shoulders are constantly collapsed or rolled forward because maybe my pecs are overactive because I sit at a computer all day or something like that some of those muscles aren't in mid-range anymore. So that's where you can strain your rotator cuff. And it's not that it's weak or my rotator cuff is unstable or there's something damaged, but muscles that aren't in their optimum range to have its optimum power are working with muscles that have heaps of it. Instability, pain, there you go. You could talk about that for hours. There's all this crazy... 
like answer. Slide and sliding it filament theory. Yeah, it depends. Answer to everything is go do some accessories. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, get a band out. <laughs> um, that's it. But that's the thing. Like, it's so you can't answer like. It's why, trial and error. Why, isn't do, it? why do we get a sore shoulder when we do snatches? It's like, well, that person does because, yeah. but then that person does because, and then yeah. that person. Oh, he's got rounded shoulders, and he's got inactive this, and he's way too strong, and he's not strong. Yeah, yeah. There's no menu, and that, yeah. and that sort of leads to two like um, um, and I'm sure, and like what we do as a job. No appointment is the same. You get, I'll get someone ring up and go, oh, I just wanted to come in for a, a dry needling session. I'm like, cool, why? I just, it'll benefit my body. Which part? What's wrong? <laughs> it's not a menu. It's a what's wrong with you and how? what tools do we have to fix it? And it's the same in here. It's like sore shoulder doesn't mean that it's just, oh, no, I can't do snatches because they hurt my shoulder because snatches are bad. Snatches aren't bad. Something wrong with your body. Something's wrong with you. Do you know what I mean? And I'm just... Something's wrong with you. You suck. <laughs> the bar's fine. It's like yeah. me. I, I was doing snatches this morning and I've, I just do them terribly. I say that all the time. People do like skipping and that like, ah, this rope's no good. And I'm like, it's not the rope, mate. <laughs> it's never the rope. Look, the rule <laughs> applies to everything but skipping. <laughs> I have this rope, which I cannot throw out. And it's the only rope I can do doubles under. And this thing needs to go in the bin. But I can't do doubles in anything else. Yeah, give me a rope. Any rope. Let's go. <laughs> Can we answer your question? <laughs> I think so. I wanted to ask quickly about like tendonitis and bursitis because they are like, firstly, what's the difference? And two, like they're the most frustrating injuries. I'd rather someone get a broken bone and come in here than get bursitis. It's so frustrating to help. Well, it's well, if you read my post from the other day. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's um, direct people there. Uh, let's hold go. on. Can we just go back to inflammation for one second? Yeah. I have this stupid joke in my head. Yeah, okay. tell If it. you want to hear any more about inflammation, <laughs> check out my only flams. <laughs> So bad. <laughs> <laughs> so when I prepped you for this chat and yeah. I said I want to talk about inflammation, you were oh, like, I've got a joke for that. <laughs> and, and now I've said it out loud, it's terrible. <laughs> Look, well, I'm laughing. <laughs> COVID. Bursitis? Bursitis. The symptom um, tendonitis. Yeah, what? so bursitis. So uh, a bursa is basically anywhere where there could be potential for either skin tendon, muscle, ligament to rub over bone, uh, you'll usually find a bursa. Um, so there's, I think, uh, I looked it up the other day, there's over 159 bursas in the body. And yeah, they're, they're always usually in a posi- in a place where it's just kind of reducing friction to what they do. What they do. Uh, we call them a fluid-filled sac. So imagine like a small water balloon um, and it creates a, a point where, yeah, too much rubbing doesn't happen. Um, so that if you can imagine grabbing a stake and wrapping a stake over a, 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 a steel rod and rubbing that back and forward and give that enough time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to tear. <laughs> I'm totally picturing it. <laughs> it's going it's to tear through that eventually. It's going to tenderize and then yeah, we're going to cook it's, that it's bad boy you're gonna up. Get, you're going to get like a tendinosis, which in the, the suffix uh, osis usually means like that, that deterioration, osteoporosis. Because um, we're not tendinosis. itis now, are we? We've changed it no, again. No, no, no. So osis. it's not tendinitis anymore. It changes uh, all the time, but it's to osis now. No, no, no. So we call oh. it tendinopathy. Tendinopathy. Yeah, so it's a pathological change in the tendon um, because a lot of the time someone will say, oh, yeah, I've got like golfer's elbow or, or, or um, what's the other one? Tennis elbow. It used to be medial epicondylitis or lateral, lateral. epicondylitis. Alger. But now, oh yeah, there's algae or apathy. 
So it's no longer always associated with inflammation. So the, the, the suffix itis is what we kind of reserve for inflammatory conditions. So without inflammation being there, can we really call it an itis? So now it's sort of like a tendinopathy or a tendon. Imagine sitting in there in these conversations with scientists coming up with these things. <laughs> Take a week just to decide on the new name. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're, they're <laughs> those, those, uh, those, Nomenclature. I used that the other day and I felt very fancy. Nomenclature. That's amazing. Spell it. Spell it. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those sort of words, they're, they're, they're just medical terms. But And it's just about kind of... Cha- and, it, and it's good because it changes your way of thinking about things for people who like on our end are learning about these things. Now, when you think of like a tendinopathy, we're no longer associating that straight away with, with inflammation. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, now we're just kind of thinking about it as from a ter- from a standpoint of okay, what sort of changes have occurred in that tendon? Um, back to bursitis. So <laughs> bursas are these little things that kind of reduce friction points, and sometimes tissues can become a little bit tight. Let's say, for example, a very common one is uh, trochanteric bursitis. So it's it's there's a on the side of your thigh bone. There's a nubby bit that's called the greater trochanter, um, and a lot of muscles run past there, attach into there. It's quite a, it's like a, it's like Flinders Street Station, yeah. So a lot of things run past there, and then that bursa in there is just very susceptible to becoming a little bit uh, grumpy when something in that area becomes a little bit maybe taut or or things become put that extra little bit of strain through there, um, and that can be just like walking a little bit more than what you normally would. Um, going for a hike that might be 100Ks, uh, like an Oxfam trail walk or something like that. Something that your body's not used to, either load-wise, something too heavy, or uh, a sustained load over too long a period of time. And then that bursa just becomes a little bit inflamed. Yeah. Um, so then you got bursitis. So it becomes tough. Mm-hmm. Because they are bilipid? Is that what it is? Two, they're two layers, and they're, they're full of fluid, but the more swollen it is, the less fluid it is, so it becomes quite tough. Yeah, and they're just very frustrating to get rid of, hey? It just takes... Well, uh, it's a, like one of the common things is basically rest, rest from the aggravating activity, activity modification. So if A is aggravating it and making it feel worse, rest from A and try B. Whether So let's say hiking is, hiking. if hiking is your main source of exercise and it's the thing that's aggravating it, then try swimming. Yeah. see if swimming is a little bit better for it. Yeah, and that's one of those like situations where people in the gym or people that are hikers or whatever, like it can put them out of their chosen hobby or sport and it's like that point, like it's probably the point more often than any other injury or problem where people go, oh, I have to, they lose their motivation and they don't want to train at the gym anymore because they can't do what everyone else is doing in the class because they have to change. And same with hiking. Like, oh, you can't hike. You have to go swim. You're like, I don't want to fucking swim. So it's, it's I think, feel like it's, un- this is one of those situations where, like, well, unfortunately, you're going to have to change and be patient and realize that down the track, you will get back to it. But if you don't do something else for a little while, then it's probably going to take for even this, longer. For this little time period, you need to kind of give that area a little bit of TLC. And you kind of got to think about, like, let's say, let's take CrossFit, for example. You take athletes from other sports. They have... On seasons and off seasons. Yeah, there's a time for rest and recovery and rebuilding everything. And then you've got the season where you're playing intense, probably injuring yourself. Then you've got the off season where you're kind of going through that whole process. People who like going through um, CrossFit workouts for a lot of people is pretty intense. 
and most people are doing it like what five times a week all year round three that's, to five yeah that's the big thing that um a lot of people train like they should be having an on and off season but they're not they're just training hard they're training like athletes which is cool but yeah. they're also working nine to five they've got kids mm-hmm. but that's how like people never people don't think do things by halves anymore and you but have someone to stretch your five minutes and like, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm the same as well. I, I don't stretch. I don't stretch. It's useless. It's <laughs> boring. Uh, I read a paper. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, like you, you kind of give people these tools when yeah. they are in, in pain and it's like, no, no, I don't have time for that. But yeah, you're, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to recover and, and, yeah. and let these tissues heal. You're just beating them up, beating them up, beating them up. And we don't have time. That's the problem. No, or no one thinks they have time. Everyone's reactive. Not going to do anything about their problem until they have the problem. No one avoids the problem. No one's like a very strong motivator. Absolutely, and it's all about I have this now, and it's stopping me from what I love doing. So I better do whatever the hell I can do to fix it now. And then once I feel better, I won't worry about it. The thing is too with the bursitis, like it's so mismanaged by some doctors that I mean, it's a bursitis is just a symptom of everything else failing. So they treat that, but that's all they treat. It just comes back. And we kind of hear it all the time when someone comes in and, and, and like, it is a val- very valid tool. Like, a lot of the research says that cortisone injection for bursitis does help. Mm. Uh, and it does, but not always. No. Yeah. Sometimes it still sucks after. And that's the end well. thing. But, yeah, really, we should be looking at, like, your sleep, your movement, your water, your diet, your all those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, how so you move in the gym or what in your sport. Kind of got to take a step back and have yeah. a look at it. And, like... Not to say that it's a thing that's only that is that is it's only osteopaths that do it, but it's uh, there are physios, there are chiros. Every everyone has the potential to do it. Just take a step back and kind of look at what other things might be going on in that area. I think a lot of the time people go, "Oh, what does an osteopath do?" And they go, and then the common answer is, "Oh, we we take a holistic approach and look at the whole body as a as a yeah. Every, every, anyone can do that, but it's sort of yeah cool it doesn't make sense yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> once a week 10 appointments 10 appointments twice a week <laughs> fixed <laughs> okay theory over mid workout we're doing snatches and I was catching at the bottom of the squat and my hip flexors oh feeling that a little bit, little bit tight so training right in front of Chris I turn around to mid workout like I've just had an idea for the podcast <laughs> can you bring some needles in <laughs> Can we do like a little workshop on like dry needling and educate the listeners on what dry needling is all about? Because I freaking love it. Um, the only thing is, it's my hip flexor. It's pretty high up. So like if I have to get naked, I will. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> but yeah, I thought let's like do like a quick little thing. You can talk about the hip flexor and what the hell is, what you were, how you would treat it, how you would treat it. We're going to see who's done a better job. No. <laughs> let's just talk about it and turn a bit of practical into it. It could be a bit of fun. I love a good pissing contest. No. Um, why don't we, I mean, you don't just stick needles in people. I mean, I do. But <laughs> why don't we actually figure out what's wrong? For Absolutely. Us? Let's just. Can you just do a thing on my hip flexor for me? Tell After me what, what's up. Well, you can practice some uh, of these skills. That you it, I will. I'm happy to pay too. By the way, it's oh God. I'll pay. <laughs> I'll pay in fit aids and coffee. Yeah. From knowing you, mm. and you, you know, I'm not going to. Uh, we should both agree in what we should do, right? But from knowing you, and from when you said that, and from watching you, and you've had some, your calves have been playing up lately. You know, on and off. Hip flexors to me, um, 
and especially when, uh, like, you know, me and Andre would treat very differently, and I'm very stuck in um, this is this is probably what I would just do, right? Um, needling a hip flexor to me isn't massively effective, and it's quite uncomfortable. I do do it sometimes. Yeah, I don't like the thought of that. That's no, no you actually like close I, to my I, bits. If I do do it, I go in through the lower back. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So do you, are you are you hitting the psoas? Yeah. Yep, cool. Yeah. So um I would probably be going Idiocus. No, uh vast lap or behind the ITA. Yeah. So yeah, background, yeah, you're right. Same leg, left leg. I have had this little um calf thing that pops up every now and then and we've worked on that and it's got better and you helped me last Friday, so a week ago, um, just under a week ago on that which helped me play football on the Saturday. I reckon I probably ran on the... I didn't have a break on the Saturday, so I ran about 13Ks probably huh. in that game and pulled up all right. My, like, tarsals are a bit sore, I think, towards the end. It what's, what's a tarsal? <laughs> <laughs> My midfoot... I think a bit, of a, like, a bit of a stretch through the foot happened when running, and so it's a little bit sore there. The calf, and that's a little bit tender. And then just a, t- a couple of days ago, it ended up the hip flexor when I tried to run at football training Tuesday night. Yeah. That started hurting a bit as well. So, so if, doctor if me. That, that, <laughs> that's awesome information. Thanks, Stu. Um, <laughs> yeah, didn't need any of it. <laughs> no, it's great. So, um, basically, if you... If you had hip flexor pain, doing bunny ears, hip flexor pain, without really doing anything out of the ordinary, not playing any sport, pretty immobile, cool. Let's have a think about that area. But talking about how your calves have been a bit funny, you've got a bit of foot pain, I'd be looking in your quad. Your hip flexor is about this much of a muscle that's about this big. He did a little bit and then he did bit, a big, a big bit, bit, bit for listeners. <laughs> so what's under tension? The hip flexors, all right? It's probably going to make your pelvis roll a little bit in, maybe. Not a non-animal tilt, it's called. Um, your quad, big bulky thing, pretty strong. you got some quads on you, you know? Um, what's pulling, what's creating the tension? So we could definitely stick a needle in your hip flexor and it would spasm and you would go, oh, I felt that. And it depends how you look at dry needling. If you're looking at dry needling for a uh, eliciting a fresh inflammatory response or if we want to go a bit neuroscience and go cool if I introduce a stimulus and we've got some uh, uh, afferent uh, uh, transmission going up to your brain then telling your body so we call it efferent goes down and going cool wherever we've just created trauma yeah fancy (laughs) hey do you like this Um, so we we introduce we introduce some trauma right and if we think neurologically, your brain's going to respond to trauma by doing something to the structures around it. So we go up and down, right? Also, in the middle somewhere, we've got something called an interneuron. And basically, that's going to go, well, what other structures oppose this? You know, what's going on? Um, uh, I think in a gym sense, you'd think an agonist, antagonist, maybe. Maybe. So we can create this problem and whatever works in that chain may resolve itself and i'm not really into that needling anymore i just don't I'm, i used to but basically we're just reintroducing a trauma and trying to get your body to go oh hold on what's going on let's reset some things it's more mechanically what's causing the tension in the first place fix that so i would stick one needle in your quad that's what i would do 
I'd look for where I want it to, though, and I bet you if I stuck just where your shorts end... Hold on, am I going to trip? Sorry, informed consent. May I touch your lips? Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> touch away, touch away. Around here. It's around the, the middle left. Do you feel that? Yeah, I do feel that. Yeah, that's what I'd want yeah. to stick a needle in. Mm-hmm. All right, your turn. Doctor. My turn. Um, so, I guess knowing that you... Well, I didn't know until now. Um, that you have had some calf issues, some ankle issues, and you, like you said, that it's feeling a little bit stuck. The... I would probably look there. I tend to always look from the foot up, um, especially with lower limb sort of stuff. Um, and I kind of include the hips in that. Um, so I just kind of compare left and right, see if anything's kind of um, going on there. So any asymmetries. Um, so what we kind of look for, I call them tart findings, or I don't call them tart findings, they are called the tart findings. So it's tension um, in any of the structures, asymmetries, um, restrictions and then tissue texture. So how does the tissue feel? So I'd probably start at the ankles, kind of see how they're moving, start at the calves, see what's going on with them. Um, is there some sort of restriction through there? Do they feel tight? Do they feel, um, for lack of a better word, like gluggy and, and gross through there? Um, and then kind of go up to the hips because if something's kind of restricted down in the ankle, especially with a snatch, which is quite a demanding movement that requires a lot of ankle mobility and hip mobility, if the ankle's failing, the hip's going to be over you know, it's that motion's to be able to get down into the, the squat snatch position, that motion's got to have to come from somewhere. Um, and if, if I'd, that's what I'd be interested in, just kind of seeing, is it linked in with that ankle restriction or that calf tightness um, at the moment? And then kind of from a working point of view, it is a little bit of trial and error. Work through that calf a little bit, get that mobilized and then see what the difference is, see if that improves the symptoms. Um, another thing is like what Chris was saying, looking at antagonists and agonists, I'd probably see what the glutes are doing. Obviously the hip flexor being a flexor of the hips. Uh, look at some of the extensors of the hips as well and see what's going on through there. So through the through the glute max and, and all those guys through there and, and see not so much from a muscle strength point of view, but like a proprioception, which is, is like a, how do you explain? How do you explain? Uh, in simple, proprioception in simple terms is like balance, but more sort of like a muscle control um, yeah, are you able to control and activate? Are you able to switch on the glutes at the right time um, under the right specific load? Does your brain have a good connection to yep. glute? Yeah, that's a good on. point because any time I have stuck needles in Stu's calves, it's always his soleus, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's that and his glute med which have the problems. The soleus mm-hmm. is always just firing, mm-hmm. and the glutes not, and they're big proprioception. Mm-hmm. Opposing, aren't they? they this yeah. is me standing up. Uh, those muscles, but yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so um, sometimes, yeah. Sorry. No, sometimes, go, go. sometimes, like, like, what kind of warrants further investigation in a lot of people is like, okay, so you've got, let's say, for example, tight pecs. Your pecs are always tight. They're always really tender and sore and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, okay, cool. We like. First, lowest hanging fruit is here's here's a massage ball, here's a stretch, here's a tool. Let's 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 rub out that pec, get it a little bit looser. You come back next week. Nah, uh, it was better for a couple of days and it got bad again. Okay, cool. So let's take another approach. Let's, maybe we do need to release that, but what's on the other side of the shoulder that should be kind of counterbalancing that pec? Does that need a bit more activating? Mm-hmm. And if it does need a bit more activating, then maybe we can couple those together. Maybe we can release one side and activate the other side, and hopefully that might. Yeah, but again, it's a lot of trial and error. Can I just stop you for a sec? Mm-hmm. Just 
You're the only other person. <laughs> I just want a high five. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> no one else ever says that except for me. Low hanging, lowest hanging fruit. It's like my favorite thing to say. <laughs> and every time I say it, they're like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I'm like, "It's lo- why would you pick the high stuff? You pick the low stuff." Yeah, always like it's. Uh, <laughs> my business mentors always use that one when they start lowest talking about fruit. marketing and shit. Oh no, lowest hanging fruit always. Yeah, uh, it, and it's 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 one of the biggest things that we kind of learned in uni. It's yeah. like common things. Start with easy ones. Yeah, do the easy yeah. shit first. Nothing has to be. Zero to ten. Like Let's go to surgery. Unless away, something yeah. kind of oh, there's major red is. flags. <laughs> yeah. There's like major red flags yes. that are like pointing out, and yeah. it's like someone's coming in, their face is drooping, and they're like, "Oh yeah, my shoulder hurts." And you're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. You Can you probably, smell burning toast? Yeah, you should um, probably go to the emergency. I think to get if you want, if anyone wants to get anything out of this chat, is nothing matters unless it does, and that's <laughs> and everything's yeah. normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think yeah. Let's let's wrap this up with these sorts of things. So yep. Things people can do to get themselves sorted with injuries. Like I think first one's clearly like, don't panic. You're normal. Yeah. Yeah. Pains and things happen. Like we're organic things. That, Unless you're not. Yeah. yeah. And if things are shit, go get some help. Yeah. And listen. Don't keep doing the dumb thing that keeps hurting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but the hardest thing is though, it's going to the right place. I'm not necessarily the right person for everybody. Not at all. You know? No. Um, <laughs> that's just how it is. Uh, but the... the you gotta you gotta realize that if things don't feel right, they're probably not right. So you have the right to to choose who you see, who is involved. We, so we call it primary primary care. Mm. Um, so primary healthcare being like the first line of people that you normally see for X Y Z issue. You have the right to choose who your osteopath is. You have the right to choose who your chiropractor is. You have the right to choose who your mm. GP is. And it's just important to go to the person. Not don't go to the person that. Well, is going to give you the answer that you kind of want. Go to the person that's going to give you the answer that you need. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You're not always going to hear what you want to hear. No. Mate. Yeah, don't go find someone that's just going to tell you that, yeah, all the shit that you want to hear. Yep. That's not really going to be effective. on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Echo chamber of, of the same. When you start deleting everyone who has an opposing view to yourself, you just end up with people who just only... Agree, agree with, with you. you. And then you're like, everyone agrees with me. This is great. <laughs> you're like, yeah. this well, must not be quiet. the right way. COVID's <laughs> been really good for that, hasn't it? It's yeah. like, you re- I've really learned a when lot. When someone posts up something outrageous, like just so way off center, you're like, how did you come to that conclusion? <laughs> what yeah. have you been... What did you read? How many articles and memes and GIFs and like YouTube bullshit shit holes. and YouTube... How many wormholes did you go through to come up with that conclusion? Because yeah. that's absolute garbage. <laughs> um, so just before you move on, yeah. if you squat now, will your hip flexor hurt? <sighs> Let's go. It's not too bad. I can feel it at the uh, top and I can... If I sit at the bottom for a bit, I can feel it. I know where it is. So can yeah. I stick a needle in your leg? Yeah, do oh, it. Cool. Stick a needle in. <laughs> oh. This is a bit where like it's going to work and then I'll be like, magic, done. And then if you want to see Chris, <laughs> he's <laughs> at. This <laughs> could, this could the, uh, massively go out. pear-shaped. Like gigantic so, needles, they're so big. Imagine so if anyone doesn't know, I love dry needling. Yeah. I'd try to refer everyone to it. Yeah, so dry, dry needles are, are different to... I probably should explain <laughs> for those who don't know. Dry needles are very different to... Um, oh. uh, <laughs> there it is. Your ooh, normal ooh, regular needle you uh, hit it. that you would kind of get a uh, vaccination with, for example. Um, yeah. They're very thin. Uh, these, that one that Chris is holding, is only. <laughs> it actually does feel better. I think 0.25 <laughs> of a millimeter. Uh, uh, yeah, point, point 0.5 long. Yeah, point point 0.25 of a, diameter. Yeah. Yeah, you literally have to squint to look at them. Yeah, they're, they're super, super fine needles. Um, 
why they work. There's sort of a bit of debate about exactly why they work uh, and how they work. I've got a funny story about Apparently that. Apparently there's some debate about how you should put a needle into, it, a, into yeah. a box. Well. It works if it works, doesn't it? <laughs> it helps if you open it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got a funny story about how these work. Um, there's a... Do you remember when you... St- uh, I don't know, like, did you do trigger point stuff? You look at your... Even with needling, how you look at the anatomy models and they had the referral patterns, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those pictures have been around for years and years. Those bitches or those pictures? Those, <laughs> those bitches. My bitches have been around. <laughs> so those pictures have been around for years, right? Um, and they're, they're called Travell and Simons. And basically anyone that's done remedial massage or anything above that, that's they're a lot like of the, the basis trigger on point trigger viable. point therapy. So, you know, go into your massage place and they go, oh, that's a tender spot. And they push. What? Give me that out of 10. And you'll go, oh, it's about an eight. Okay. And you'll hold, they'll hold it and they'll count down and then they'll go, how about now? And they'll go, hmm, it's about a six. And oh, I fixed you, right? It's going to hurt if you stick your thumb in there regardless, but we call it trigger point therapy. It's great. Um, however, <laughs> <laughs> I sat in a room with the guy who is like the authority and all that stuff. He's, this, um, he's from Canada, but I can't remember exactly where he's from. His name's Jan Domahol. And I asked him, like, so when someone asks me how needling works and I go on this big rant about how it works like what's a better way of saying it he goes I don't know I go what do you mean he goes there's no research to say to support or refute that dry needling is exactly what it does and I go right and it makes you really confused for a while going <laughs> the guy who's like the authority yeah. on any publication anything and he's just like it just does I'm like am I allowed to say that but unfortunately that's the problem I find it works for me Yet, I have so many people that come and see me and they're like, I've had needling before and it does nothing. I'm like, oh, well, this is how I do it. It's just a tool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, some people get the same effect with their hand, with their elbow, with scraping, with whatever the, what they want to use. They're all just tools. It's just a tool. And for some weird reason, and I think you've said this before, I'm not sure who, who, where the rule comes from, but it's that whole to understand something, you'll do it 10,000 times. I've stuck a needle in someone's quite about 10 million times. I just feel it. Mm. And for some reason some witch doctor heebie-jeebie intuition i just understand more through that needle than i do with my hand and it works for me it's 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 yeah it's sort of surprising the more you do it the more you can kind of just you kind of know where what sort of i mean muscle feels different to fat and Mm. it feels different to skin and it feels different to like you know when you hit a bone obviously because it's hard um but it, you, you can feel quite a lot, and and you can feel quite a lot through your hands as well. But yeah, with that needle, it's just kind of, like that was one of the things that I was quite surprised with when I first started dry needling is like how much you can actually kind of go, oh shit, yeah, like oh, that feels, oh yeah, that that little bit there, okay, and then it goes, and, yeah. and it's what you said before. This is it's exactly, it's the same principles. It's tart. It's mm. it's more so that texture tissue change. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah you, yeah you yeah, feel just it, looking you for those changes in tissue texture, and you just want to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You assess, you treat, you reassess, it's gone. Super cool. Must have worked. Um, but in anything, <laughs> you're just trying to, like like I said before, you're just trying to nudge the body. And that might just be just bringing some more awareness to that area and then letting the body kind of go, oh, yeah, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's send some, like, inflammatory cytokines down to that area yeah. and just kind of start the, the whole healing thing. process again. Introducing trauma. This is just very controlled trauma, basically. Um mm. And you can know everything, 
even when like I was laughing before like when we we're talking about inflammation and in my head I'm going and the phagocytes come and they clean up and the macrophages and all this sort of stuff and you can know all this stuff and you can know your anatomy back to front and it definitely helps but if you can't feel things with your hands and have some intuition on I just feel like this could be the problem you're gonna you're gonna be terrible at this yeah it's the hours it's actually why I went back to uni yeah. because I am so caught up um, and I'm not definitely not like trying to praise myself it's the wrong way of saying it but in what I think I can feel and my intuition and my gut feeling of oh, it's definitely this and the 9.9 out of 10 times you get it right by being like that is all that other stuff disappears <laughs> and then one day you go can't even remember what that muscle's called you know what I mean because you're just so intuitive right but I don't like that part I want to know the exact processes I've, I said to Andre in six months of doing um, osteo I've already learned more than I learned in the nearly four years I did myo just the, the depth is crazy and it's exactly what I wanted but it's nice now because I already have the intuition part so hopefully it all works mm. yeah but yeah going back to the tools thing as well like someone was asking me the other day oh, I've been telling my friend to come see an osteopath and, and they're all just very hesitant they're all like oh no 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 I don't and like oh that's a bit scary and stuff like that and it's like sometimes people are, s are scared of some of the tools that osteopaths uh, use and, and one of the common ones is dry needling or the other common one is spinal or joint manipulation so pops and cracks and all that sort of stuff and it's like we have to kind of approach and we do approach each person as an individual where even though we know something might work for some issue you have to take into consideration what that person's preferences are so like we kind of over the last however many years, like very recently, there's been a big push in, in the manual therapies um, to only do what the evidence says. And it, But it's like, okay, so evidence-based practice is using what the evidence says, looking at what your own clinical experience and judgment says, and then looking at what the patient's preferences are. And when those thing, three things marry up, then you can kind of go, okay, I think this is going to be the most beneficial thing for you. So... Let's say, for example, someone comes in and they, they've got this, we call it like a facet arthralgia or like pain in like one of the joints in the neck. And the, 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 the literature or the research says, yeah, spinal manipulation can help with that. And then through experience, I know that, yeah, it does help with that. And it can, it can relax some of the tension in there and kind of calm down some of that, that pain that's modulate, some of the pain that's going through that neck there. But if the person doesn't want to have the neck cracked, I'm not cracking their neck. Yeah, you got to find another way to kind of approach it, and that's where I guess all the kind of tools come into it. Sometimes it might be massage, sometimes it might be just some joint articulation, sometimes it might be a common one with that, that we use is called muscle energy technique, where we kind of it's sort of like PNF stretching. Um, just don't do scraping, mm -mm. <laughs> that one's horrible. <laughs> um, not a fan, <laughs> not so a fan. So, that one might be a right, right, right for you, but if you talk to like my mum and dad who like scraping is a is a uh, Chinese technique. They love it. Mm. Yeah. Some yeah, people scrape the shit out of my back. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. They, no they, they want to look like they've been bruised. Yeah. That, uh, but that comes back to what we said before. The why am I still in pain? Why am I going twice a week for 10 weeks? Because that person 
probably didn't have the choice that they could have had and that's that's yeah. it it's like look this is what we have and this is what i can do what what do you feel comfortable yeah with? the best method is the method that works it's very much like in the gym too when it comes to like cueing people on a lift or whatever you know we have tactile visual um oh fuck yeah, auditory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> anyway, three main cues. And some people respond better to an auditory cue. Some people respond better to visual cues. Some people respond better to tactile. I have my preference too. My preference is tactile. Stupid COVID last year was trying to force me not to do tactile cues, but I did <laughs> them anyway. <laughs> but yeah, everyone, but people will respond differently to those cues. And the best, but also what you say to someone. I could say, I want, say I want to get hip and knee extension out of someone in a, in a snatch. For some person, I'll tell them to jump. For some person, another person, I'll tell them to snap their knees back. For some person, I'll tell them to drive their thighs towards the bar. Some people, you might do it in front of them. Sometimes I'll just show them yeah. a jump. I want it, You're doing this. I want it to look like this. And all of those things I say or do get the exact same response depending on the person and how they learn. Yeah. That's a big part of what we do too. Once again, it Ta- it's being able to. Once again, <laughs> yeah. we're better. We're no. <laughs> once again, it it's that communication. I actually think the majority of why I'm I, like I'm very lucky. Like I have a successful business in what I do, and with it, without sounding like a prick, it's because I'm not a prick. It's like I love to have a chat. I love to do you? make these people <laughs> feel like they are in. Com- it's their time it's 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 what and and you figure out people and that's a big skill is figuring out how do we get this person to be comfortable right now and it can be so many different things exactly like that um it's it's bizarre and andre said it to me we were talking about something yesterday we we tend to talk a lot on messenger while we're both working i don't each other memes (laughs) yeah i don't work i just talk to him um and he said like a lot of the stuff you know you start working and everything you learn just goes out the window it's like all right we're going to figure this one for ourselves but we just got some rules and it is it's so they don't teach you that part of you actually have to have this massive way of understanding how to connect to people when you do your job and i could do exactly the same treatment for somebody but if i'm an absolute asshole to them they're going to feel terrible when they walk out they're not going to accept that it helped you know big part of it big part of it also yeah so first impressions obviously Someone will respond better if your first if their first impression of you is positive mm. rather than the opposite. Yeah. Um, There's something else I was going to say as well, but I forget. Ah, yeah. One of the biggest things that they always kind of taught us in uni is you, even though you're at uni for so many years, that is just the bare minimum. Mm. They will teach you the bare minimum of what you need to know to go out into the community and call yourself an osteopath or whatever, whatever whatever profession you are and not do harm to people. Everything else is, is sort of you, you, it's on you. you're on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on you. Be a shit one, be a good one. It's up to you. And that's why it's awesome yeah. because that's an opportunity to be a good one. Again, it's, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some, t- I mean, there's some, there's some people out there that probably shouldn't be touching people, but that's okay. That's there fine. Are plenty of people out there. You shouldn't be. Yeah. Touching. yeah. <laughs> Court had a good story once <laughs> where a man tried to heal with their hands and then she just sat there and he put his, just in like undies and he just had her, his hands under her butt and then just said he was healing her. That's how he was healing her. Mm. And another time she didn't... You're uh, not a practitioner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> another time, another person, uh, I can't remember what they were, um, didn't put a towel on her and was like, no, nah, we've all seen butts before. 
Yeah, I mean, at, <laughs> that's that's that, I that's mean, very some true. Of, some of that's a cultural thing as well. Um, I know. No, this <laughs> this this has been a <laughs> cultural thing. I'm trying to, you know. Ah, you're a pretty fit young lady. You're, you're, you're trying to find the good in it. Yeah, no, it's been a great. Sometimes yeah. there's always a way. Like I've 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 treated. Um, you get, you know, we've got a very multicultural community. I've treated people. I don't even know what they're called, but they are fully, fully, fully clothed, and there's layers of clothes underneath. They have. Um, it's just because they're coming to see you. Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> but you find a way. Every, yeah. everyone, <laughs> everyone has a, a right to to be treated and relief. It's not your rules. It's not yeah. you can't have a towel on. If that, so many people just like, I haven't even got them on the on the table. They can sit on the couch. and. As the patient, you always have 100% of control over yeah, what happens in the room. You're the boss. Yeah. Yeah. So and, who'd be scared of going? I think that's one of the things that a lot of people forget is like you, you have all the power. If you don't agree with something, or if or, or if some sort of technique is being used on you that you are not comfortable with, you have all the right to say. If it. you watched one on YouTube and you really like how they did it better, and you want to tell the osteo, that's <laughs> yeah. how I saw. And you can't. Yeah. <laughs> but that that also comes down to the practitioner. There's a lot of practitioners that don't believe that. There's yeah. a lot of ego, dick swinging going on. It's like you know, yeah. anyway. there's uh, dicks everywhere. A lot of yeah. We can go on for ages, but yeah. I, would, I wanted to talk about <laughs> pain science for a about an hour. <laughs> a lot of... We've got um, A lot of... What, what am I trying to say? The benefits that someone will get out of any particular uh, appointment or anything, really. Exercise prescription, um, manual therapy, um, talk therapy, anything is just is buy-in on their part. And if, if you... Or if the patient is able to buy into their therapy and their treatment then their outcomes are going to be a lot better yeah. if they don't buy into it and you've sort of, sort of forced something on them uh, the outcomes aren't uh, not so good it's not um, th- I, th- I, I always think of it as you're not facing someone instructing them you're beside them like we're in this together Let's are you with out. me let's get this done I wanted to ask a question because I know you've got to wrap this up because mm-hmm. um, I'm interested and I'm sure you'd be interested because we've talked about funny things and what people shouldn't do and blah, blah, mm. blah. And I don't want this, that to make it sound like, the, you know, oh, yes, we know everything because I definitely don't know everything. Um, no, we were talking about imposter syndrome. Where we're <laughs> <laughs> and I, Before this whole conversation started, we are all talking about how all three of us have imposter syndrome. Yeah, don't, don't listen to anything we just said. Anything. No, mine's a bit less these days, but I definitely have it. Yeah. Um, can you tell me, nice little Pro- quick one, because I, um, I, I sort of pulled this out of when you were just saying like, that reassurance it's them buying in i remember you were telling me about someone um who possibly i might even uh, i said i always refer people to go to andre um where you actually did very little treatment but there was a lot of reassurance and a lot of just sort of slow uh, there was someone who just wasn't having a good week i can know that but that you don't have to remember this one but that just made me think give me one good treatment that sticks in your head there you go oh my god i can't believe we got that far through that or just something like i can't believe the outcome of that something that shocked you when you did it a treatment you've given in you've just gone whoa didn't know i was god (laughs) (laughs) but seriously think of a good one give me a good one um but maybe like just because you're here and do i have your permission to share your story sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness was it from the weekend (laughs) Uh, no um (laughs) Yeah, so oh. Chris, uh, basically, 
<laughs> basically came and, and he was complaining about his lower back, deadlifting and stuff like that. And it was a bit, it was it was quite sore, and I just had a bit of a feel, to see what was going on, and I kind of thought, oh, this little muscle in his lower back on this one side feels a bit gross. Um, let's kind of give that a bit of a rub. My hands get very sore when I massage, so I, I tend to use um, the Theragun um, quite a bit. I kind of assess with my hands first and kind of get an idea of where I want to work and then kind of get in with the Theragun a little. Um, and then like two seconds in, he was like, oh, my back feels better. I'm like, well, I haven't even done anything yet. Uh, are you sure? And he got up and he did some squats. He did like the deadlift motion. He goes, yeah, it feels like 100% better. And then he was just raving on about it for like weeks after that. And I was just like, shut up, man. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Hand of God. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, sometimes... I knew you were having a rough time. <laughs> and I just felt like you shut needed to pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, like the body's weird. Um, and Chris and I always joke about it that we don't really know exactly what's... Nobody, nobody, not we, but anyone who claims to know exactly what's going on is pr- probably a little bit full of it. Weird things happen all the time and sometimes just touching a certain area is is just the reassurance that the nervous system sort of needs just to calm down a little. Touch is like the most important Super tool we have. Yeah. Um, I always joke about all this science, anatomy. Um, do you remember learning like sliding filament theory and mm. looking at these pictures of how our muscles work where these little hands Could grab each other? Oh, I remember that in PE in yeah, year 12. Yeah, myosin <laughs> and actin. And then yeah. I look at this and I'm like, the fuck came up with this shit? Right? <laughs> but it's sort of, it's like, I've just got this idea. And I just picture one day this spaceship coming down and this being appears out of smoke and goes, you guys really are. Totally got it wrong. Like, <laughs> why did you overcomplicate this shit so much? Anyway. They're probably right. At, the, <laughs> at some stage, that probably will happen. Everything is so very... They're theories. And back even the evidence-based stuff. Like I, I know of people that you know will find so much... Will get such good um, like uh, positive outcomes out of using a certain technique. And then all of a sudden, something comes out that totally refutes it. No. That we we found that you know maybe needling dry needling in general doesn't work or cupping you know it's garbage it's pseudoscience I don't do that anymore it's like how many people did you help you know what I mean and I I get it like we're evidence based practitioners but it's not that complicated sometimes things are just very easy and Andre did make my back feel a lot better I was kind of shocked <laughs> <laughs> oh but my I didn't do anything goodness no. <laughs> but there you go it was literally Literally like two seconds. But then like if you look at if you yeah, look at something for example, Reiki. Um, personally, I don't really believe it does anything. I've done the Reiki level one course and, and I was <laughs> kinda like I was kinda like, Okay, here we go. <laughs> you have to be activated um by a master practitioner. But if someone goes to someone who uh, a Reiki practitioner and they find benefits in that even if it was a placebo, can you you can't completely discount the placebo. Placebo is a very strong very powerful. treatment. You don't go out of your way to... Th- there's a difference between placebo and deception. You don't trick people, although I do have a really good trick for frozen shoulder, but it only works once. It involves a balloon. Um, <laughs> sounds, it's awesome. Anyway, okay, quickly. Where's so, that balloon going? There's a lot of fear avoidance <laughs> in pain, you know, or, or, you know, people are very scared to do something that they know it's going to hurt. And you can literally try and shove someone's arm up if they've got a, a frozen shoulder 
and it's not going anywhere. I remember having this little Chinese woman once and I was treating her and I'm like, this is bizarre. Physiologically, we're fine. But her arm just did not go up. And she was so much stronger than me. She was tiny. How are we going to do this? All right, I'll grab the balloon and we just start. Because you go to someone, move your, arm, move your arm over your head. Move the sore arm over your head. Oh, I can't do that. No way. Start tapping a balloon. And then you just be a little bit of an arsehole and just hit it at their head. And they go like that. <laughs> you removed all that internal focus. There's something flying at my head. Oh, shit. And the arm's up. And then they start crying and you can't do it again. But <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, it's not that complicated. But you shouldn't deceive. But no, deception's not good. Placebo, placebo is yeah. a very strong... There's, um, a, there's a story. Um, I forget the guy Sullivan. Um, he's a pain scientist. I think he's... Out in Perth now. Who's that? But, um, so, so, so something, something Sullivan. But anyway, he, uh, I was listening to an interview with him, and he tells a story. Basically, guy comes in, um, back pain, years and years and years, can't bend over. So, can't touch his toes, can't tie his shoes, can't bend over. Like that's the worst thing. Like, just can't do it. So the guy's sitting there in, in, in his chair, and he goes, "Okay, you're sitting down in the chair now. Can you touch your toes?" And he goes, "Yeah, I can touch my toes. I'm sitting down. It's fine." He goes, now take your bum off the chair. And then he's all of a sudden bending over. Mm. Uh, it, it just took a different approach to getting there. Yeah. Uh, he could always do it, but yeah. that, that fear of doing that motion, the mm. brain was just telling him, oh, fuck, don't do that. That's it. Yeah, the best method is the method that works. External yeah, exactly. focus. You yeah. tell someone to move their sore leg, that sore leg's not going to do much, but you ask them to, could you move this toward, like you have to just take the focus off them. They'll, oh, okay. We're dumb. We'll do what, you know, I'm dumb. Lowest hanging fruit. Lowest yeah. hanging fruit. But at the same time, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it only it works always depends. when it works, but it doesn't. 70% of the time it works yeah. every time. It's only a problem <laughs> until it's not. I think that's probably the best way to wrap it up. <laughs> In utter confusion and disarray. They're like, what did I just do for the last hour and a half? What does Michael Scott say? It was, um, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Michael Scott. Thanks, boys. I guess just before we kind of cut it. Um, yeah, it always <laughs> it <laughs> depends. Did, did we even talk about it? <laughs> um, everything. Every, yeah, so if... if I, I guess hopefully we've covered some basic... No, basic there's some, some amazing info that's definitely going to help. And just some, some little help. tools and, and people can kind of implement themselves. Always go for the lowest hanging fruit. If that fails, then seek further advice. Um, if you're not sure where to begin, seek further advice. Speak to your GP, speak to an osteo, speak to a chiro. Remember, you always have the choice in who you speak to. It's your own health. What about me? Uh, I know my... Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> website? Yeah, give uh, us your dates. Yeah, website, uh, gravityosteo.com.au. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash gravityosteo. Um, only flams slash... <laughs> 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 I'm on Facebook. <laughs> Chris Vidak Chris with Chris, a K Chris Vidak my own therapist thanks legends that's alright that was a lot you. of fun that was everything I was hoping for out of this chat do oh. we I kept it actually there could have been more like I held back dad jokes yeah we held back we could have it would have gone for way longer but hopefully someone's still listening <laughs> <laughs> 
if you made it this far. Do you know how a podcast congratulations. works? Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. But they do have the choice yeah, to have the choice. tune out. That is their choice. We gave them ago. the information they needed about 40 minutes ago. <laughs> the last 40 has just been banter. <laughs> Let's do two podcasts for 10 weeks every week. You must listen. Oh, okay, that joke's uh, That was fun. Thank you. Thank you. See Thank you very much for listening to the Valar Fitness Nutrition Mind podcast. My name is Stuart Cunningham. If you enjoyed the episode, please send us a like, send us a comment, share it with a mate, give us a rating on the iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on. Every little bit of support helps. Looking forward to bringing you some more stuff next week. This 